Hello, and welcome to Signify Lighting Talks. My name is Jonathan Weinert, editor for the global brand and marketing team at Signify. This podcast series is our unbiased, unvarnished, and always engaging educational companion. It's an addition to what we bring to you via the Signify Academy, which you can find online at signify.com academy. In this series of episodes, we cover the intriguing and thought-provoking world of connected lighting. Today, we're going to talk about the fascinating and surprising topic of lighting and its relation to human health and well-being. I'm joined today by Peter Downer, Global Subsegment Director for Offices at Signify. Hello, Peter, and welcome. Good afternoon. Peter, you've been with Signify and Philips before that for almost 30 years. Can you talk a little about your experience and accomplishments with lighting over the years? Yeah, I'm an engineer. So I've always been on the forefront of technology, trying to figure out where customers may have new needs, innovations that we can cater to new needs for customers. Uh, so I've been involved in developing LED technology. I've been involved in developing connected lighting technology. And I'm now at the forefront of bringing lighting that not only caters to seeing, but also towards health and well-being. So let's get into that. Um, light for health and well-being is kind of obvious from one point of view. Without light, obviously, there'd be no life. There'd be no vision. There'd be no podcast series. Uh, but when you talk about this in the context of professional environments, let's say, uh, you're referring to specific challenges that pe- people face when spending a great deal of time in illuminated spaces indoors. Uh, can you talk about some of these challenges and how thoughtfully designed and deployed lighting can address them? Yeah, the first thing that we need to realize is that our vision system is very good. We need to be proud that we can do a lot of good reading and all kinds of activities without the light levels that we usually have outside. Outside, we will have much higher brightnesses, much higher light levels than we have indoors. But our vision system is so good, it deals with it. Now, on top of our vision system, your eye has a functionality to tell whether it is day or whether it is night. That's actually a separate system that was evolved over time, even earlier than the vision system that we carry in our eyes. And that system to tell whether it's day or whether it's night needs much higher light levels. So we can read in lower light levels, but to tell whether it's day or whether it's night, we need higher light levels. And that's the problem to be solved. Now, are you referring to the uh, third uh, non-visual photoreceptor in the eye that was discovered in the early 2000s? Yeah, that's indeed the uh, photosensor that I uh, will now introduce to the to the audience. So it is indeed a non-visual photosensor. You're not making an image with it. And your eye is just using that sensor to integrate how many photons hit your eye. If it's a large amount of photons that hit your eye, your body will conclude it is daytime. And during daytime, you are active. You go to your work, you do all kinds of activities, you eat. And your eye will start to tell you it is nighttime 
if the integrated amount of photons falls below a certain threshold, and then your body starts to get prepared for falling asleep. So your eye is the sensor to whether to decide whether it is daytime or nighttime. And during that daytime, we of course are now mostly working from an office or being indoors. And that means that because our vision system is so good, we may lack a little bit uh, enough photons for this non-visual sensor that you just introduced, Jonathan. So now I'm a little confused. Uh, photons are obviously quanta of light, uh, and you're saying that, that this is not a visual receptor. So what? how does it actually work? Does it use the optic nerve? Uh, um, what happens in the brain? Uh, just very briefly so that we can get a picture of, sure, of yeah. how, so how this is working. I can explain the physics behind it. Uh, so your eye is for vision, right? And if I would be very close to you, I would be able to look into your eye. And from the reflection of the light on your eye, I will be able to find out what you see. And maybe sometimes you have experienced that if you look closely into an eye of another person, you see a bright window that gets reflected in the eye of the person. Now that bright window will illuminate a certain area of your eye and if there are good enough amount of blue photons in that bright window your eye will say okay i count a good amount of blue photons and that will then determine if it is daylight if it is daytime or if it is nighttime now in an office some people cannot sit next to a window they may be sitting in the interior part of the office and then if you look to those people's eyes, you will see that, of course, they can certain, do certain activity and they can, for instance, read or work from a computer. But the amount of blue photons that hit their eye during the day is actually too low. And if your eye notices that it drops below a certain threshold, it will start to say, okay, it is nighttime. I'm going to prepare for falling asleep whilst you are at, whilst you are at the office. So that is indeed what we need to solve. Well, surely it's not simply a matter of making the light in an office brighter. There's got to be more to it than that. There's more to it than that, but it could be a recipe to do. Um, so brightness will certainly help. I, I, I sketched already the picture that if you look carefully into somebody's eye, you can see what the person is looking at. If we move all the people closer to the window, then certainly we will make a recipe that works. But making bright surfaces, making brightness, actually is also costing a lot of energy. So if you make it really, really bright, the amount of energy that you consume, if you would make it comparably bright to outside areas, would be 10 times higher than what we currently consume in terms of energy. So that's not the solution. And for that, we have designed specific spectra for our light sources. We call them bio-up spectra. Those spectra that we cater towards the office application actually contain a lot more blue photons. To be precise, photons around 480, 490 nanometers. We have designed the spectrum such that we cater to that integrating function of your eye to be able to decide whether it is daytime or whether it's nighttime without this excessive amount of consuming energy. 
So it is a cleverly designed spectrum that caters to being indoors, whilst during daytime decide, yes, it is indeed the active part of the day. So to be clear, to be able to design a, a spectrum that's uh, optimized for this sort of thing, uh, you need to use uh, LED light sources. Is that correct? Yeah, it's always LED. There's nobody that currently works on anything else than LED. And it's actually the beauty of LED. So a lot of, of course, good things come from LED lighting. But to be able to engineer these spectra, all of a sudden we as engineers, we have a lot more possibilities than we used to have in the old days when we were working on other technologies. So our knowledge of designing spectra in the past, for instance, to illuminate clothes and make a beautiful rendering of a piece of cloth, we now use to make this active lighting that is there needed for people that work from an office. We use the same type of technology, but we now cater to the health and well-being of office people from our experience in designing proper light sources. So then you could design experiences over the course of a, of a workday, for example, that would support uh, workers' well-being, their, uh, their focus, their attention, uh, depending on what time of day it is. Is that right? Indeed, the uh, opportunity at hand is that not only we have mastered to design specific spectra, but we can also change them throughout the day. Usually the lights that we bring to the office are connected lights. It means that you can remotely change the setting of the light fixtures. And with that, you can also cater for a typical day in the office where in the morning time, you would need a little bit more blue photons than perhaps in the afternoon time. It is not needed to make a lot of blue photons in the afternoon because we have activated the brain such that it has decided that it is daytime. And with that, we can still cater to recommended office practices that are accepted and that are appreciated uh, during the remainder of the day, but in the morning, we activate the people to find out, yes, it is daytime, uh, I need to start to be active. Now, how would a building owner know what lighting experiences to provide at what time of the day? We provide that recipe. Uh, so in our Interact system, we provide a recipe for a building owner that we call circadian lighting. And circadian means like daytime and uh, in, in the rhythm of a day. And we provide that rhythm as a recipe to our Interact Office proposition that we bring into the market. And then uh, a, a building owner or facility manager could implement these uh, recipes, as you call them, using their light system, uh, their LED lighting system that's deployed in the building. Is that exactly. Right? That's that's the idea that the recipes can be catered to the specific needs of the building. Uh, I give you one example, Jonathan. There could be a building owner that caters to people that need to be active during the night. So sometimes you have shift workers. And then the logic still applies. That people, those people in the night, they need to be treated with photons that are blue rich because they want to be active, they want to work, they want to eat. Th those people are active during the night. And that would then of course be a different recipe 
than for people that work during during the day. So that's how each building can decide on its own recipe that needs to be provided. So we're beginning to see how these kinds of lighting experiences and technologies um, are helping to support human health and well-being in a building. But how does this relate to sort of this larger topic of healthy and green buildings uh, that's become so important uh, these days? Yeah, I think the trend is completely clear, right? The macroeconomic trend is on the second word that you use, healthy and green. Uh, green is, of course, trying to reduce carbon emissions, right? Uh, we are very clearly in all parts of the world consuming too much uh, energy that is created by carbon emitting energy sources. And we need to reduce. That's the quickest way out of the crisis that we are uh, facing, that the climate is changing, the, the planet is warming. The quickest way out is to just save on the energy that you use. And buildings actually quite substantially contribute to the carbon emission. And with an upgrade of the LED lights, with an upgrade of the lights towards these LED lights, you can save on the energy consumption of the building. But what if your building is very energy efficient, but nobody is coming there, nobody enjoys to go to the building? And that, of course, then caters to the healthy part of your healthy and green story, right? The healthy and green story means that buildings, they actually might compete a little bit to the next building in the town in terms of being able to attract tenants and get people back to the office. So those two things, healthy and green, go very well together with this new bio-up recipe that I introduced and the interact office system that we can supply. So that if I understand you, you don't have to make a choice between energy efficiency and uh, human health and well-being. You can have both if you do the right things. Exactly. So with the engineering of the LED spectrum, and with the connected lighting solution, both of these two attributes can be awarded. Both healthy and green can go together. So what steps do you recommend building owners take to start on the road to making their properties healthy and green? And can you point to some examples of organizations or companies that, who are doing it right? Yeah, definitely. The um, I think the good examples exist in countries around the planet that has always been part of maybe the Northern Hemisphere, where already quite common people suffer from winter depression. Because during the winter, the times that you enjoy proper light levels are actually much shorter than when you live at the equator. So we see in those countries already today a lot of municipality specifications and school specifications cater to these stories to not only save the planet with the energy consumption, but also make it healthy for the occupants of the building. Now, you may think of living at the equator, I don't need it. But actually, if you think about it, how many people go outside when they work maybe in Singapore, when it's very hot during the day, would you go outside and enjoy the blue boost that you get from outdoor lighting? That's not happening so often. So also in those countries, we now see slowly and steadily in specifications of new, new offices that this combination of healthy and green gets specified. 
So this could be done by uh, in existing buildings through a lighting renovation. Uh, is that correct, Peter? Oh, that's the biggest that's the biggest part of my business. I, I think we all recognize that the amount of new buildings that are constructed gets smaller and smaller. Uh, just because of the fact that the vacancy rates in cities may have gone up. And so the valuation of offices may have gone down. And that will say that banks do not see a proper yield anymore on constructing a new building. So guess what? We can change an existing building with an LED retrofit towards a healthy and green building using the technology that I just described. So not only, uh, if I'm understanding you right, uh, not only could a uh, building owner realize a good return on investment for a uh, lighting retrofit, uh, like you described, but there'd also be a number of additional benefits to the health and well-being of the employees, uh, to the carbon footprint, and, and so on and so forth. And these are very tangible. Uh, so these benefits for the building owner could be scoring of the building, for instance, for through the International Wellbeing Institute, they give well points to buildings, or there could be a smart score, a wired score. There's many, many different scorings of, of buildings. And these lighting recipes help to give a good score for a building. And guess what? Tenants look for buildings with high scores. All right, Peter. Well, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. That was a very interesting topic. Signify Lighting Talks is a podcast series featuring the leading thinkers and speakers from the world of lighting. My name is Jonathan Weinert. On behalf of Signify, the global leader in lighting, I wish you a brighter life and a better world.